This episode of the Badass Ladies Club is sponsored by Badass Retreats. It's time to make your healing a priority. Find out more at www.blcbadassretreats.com. Welcome, badasses, to this episode of the Badass Ladies Club. My name's Laurie Wallace, and I'm here broadcasting with my bestie, Jessica Weckerlin. Hello. And today we are so excited to talk to you about the concept of wabi-sabi, which is artists is very dear to our hearts. But before we get going on that, please get out there on the internet and like, rate, review, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out one of our badass retreats at www.badassladiesclub.com. Club.com. We would love to get you into this community and be able to see you at one of our live or virtual events coming up. That would be up. so cool. It would be so, they're going to be so great. I'm really excited about it. Okay, but I'm just as excited about this week's Badass of the Week that Jessica is going to tell us all about right now. Obsessed with her. So good. Um, this week's Badass of the Week is the one and only Lupe Voss. Oh my gosh. Um, Lupe is... An incredible artist and hairdresser out in California. She was in the Aveda Network for a very long time. And from what I gather with the pandemic, did a little pivot and is now with Color Space that she developed with Ray Chavello. I mean... You've worked with Color Space a little bit. A little bit, and I'm obsessed. I really love the lightener. Um, I've used it a little bit, and it's really, really great. I, um, I'd i love to play with more of their products. Just a little shout-out, Lupe, if you want to like send some. No, We'd I'm like kidding. to see some more Color Space. That would be cool. <laughs> like, yeah, no, Color Space really has been great, and I've loved everything that they've put out as a brand. Mm-hmm. And... Um, They're just really awesome. But more than that, what I love about Lupe is she's so kind and giving with her craft. Um, Kind of like a no secrets Mm -hmm. kind of lady. You know, there's plenty of artists that I've personally taken classes from. I've never taken a class from Lupe. I would love to one day. But um, that are really secretive and, you know, they hold back on... They don't want to give you all the right. tricks and yeah. tips, you know? Um, like, or you might look have, better than they do. Yes. Or <laughs> they have this, um, like, fear of you, you know, outshining them, mm-hmm. which I'm like, that's ridiculous because you're a celebrity artist. Like, why come on? <laughs> you know? But um, Lupe, like, she's always on harebrained. She's always sharing her tips, tricks, and secrets. And by the way, has the cutest haircut I've ever seen in my life. Always has the cutest haircut. Yes, she's adorable. So Lupe, you're a huge inspiration to me as a hair artist. And um, we've talked to your good friend, Gino Chapman. Gino's been on the show. Peter Gray. Peter made a cameo. Like, <laughs> So you're next, girl. And can I just say this about Lupe? Like, I am not a hair colorist, but I've worked on uh, creative teams with Lupe before as a makeup artist. Yes. She is, and, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Lupe Voss, you know? And I'm, like, sweating a little bit and, like, all giddy and excited. But she is so approachable and real 
you know, like when you work with people that you always look up to and they seem kind of like not real and like this. Mm -hmm. Lupe is not like that. She is so down to earth and fun and genuine. Like Lupe is a creative inspiration to me, but more so like just a human inspiration. She's a beautiful freaking Um, human. And did you see Carrie Davis's Instagram stories? Carrie Davis, Lupe Voss, Ginger Boyle. I was like all hanging out for boss group right there. Like I want to be at that party. No doubt. So, um, we're finding our way in. No doubt. So Lupe, um, we'd love to talk to you. We're excited to talk to you. We'll be sending you a box and let's get um, you on this podcast. Let's get you on here. All right, friends. So I love it that Lupe was our badass of the week because I feel like there's so many things about Wabi Sabi that um, oh, she, she would totally yeah, be into like this emulates in her work. But let's talk a little bit about the concept of Wabi Sabi because it's uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, I love Wabi Sabi. It's a fairly new concept to me, honestly. I didn't know too much about it uh, just within the past year, mm-hmm. maybe really been learning about it. Um, I mean, it's funny, you know, the first time I ever heard about it was my husband Aubrey brought it up to what? me. What? I know. like Aubrey. I'm the one that should know these things. But yeah, he, <laughs> it was a... Uh, Somebody, I should know this, somebody in the hair industry had a collection that they called Wabi Sabi. And I was like going through it. It was like in either in a trade magazine or maybe it was on the internet, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, look at this hair. Oh my God, look at this makeup, you know? And I was so excited. And as he was looking at it, he was like, oh, cool. It's called Wabi Sabi. And I was like, is that a thing? Like, I don't even know what that means. And he explained to me this whole concept and schooled me on it. So, you know what? Now that you say that, that does not surprise me at yeah, all. I, mean, I think that Aubrey is totally into Wabi Sabi. Totally. Um, so, what I've learned through research is that it's hard to put a precise definition yeah. on Wabi Sabi. But if we were to break it down, um, Leonard. Corin, um, he's the author of Wabi Sabi for artists, designers, poets, and philosophers, said Wabi Sabi is the beauty of things imperfect, impermanent, and incomplete, the antithesis of our classical Western notion of beauty as something perfect, enduring, and monumental. And if we were to break it down into two different concepts individually, Wabi is the recognizing that beauty and humble simplicity. Wow. Words are hard. (laughs) Wabi is about recognizing beauty and humble simplicity. It invites us to open our heart and detach from the vanity of materialism so that we can experience spiritual richness instead. And Sabi is considered with the passage of time, the way things grow, age and decay and how it manifests itself beautifully in objects. It suggests that beauty is hidden beneath the surface of what we actually see and in what we initially perceive as broken. Oh my gosh, like it so let's get fills into it. me up with so much goodness to hear these um, specific directions. So... Let's start with like the beauty in simplicity, Mm -hmm. because I feel like especially, and this isn't just true in the hair and makeup business, but this is true for all artists, I think is like, you know, when you're like young and inspired and like excited about doing some kind of artistic project and you always want to go big, like you always want to do the really like extreme avant-garde, you know, go for broke. If you're a painter, then you want to like splatter and throw paint all over the place and do it with texture and with glitter. And if you do makeup, well, then you want to like do larger than life avant-garde, 
hard character makeup theater, you know, like, but that, that more, like, if it's not bigger and better then it's smaller and right. Like not worthy. Well, and when you start, you go big, you know, because you think that that's artistic and what you got into whatever this artistic pursuit was to get to. But the more that you work in your artistic medium, whatever that is, you do start to learn and appreciate the beauty of the very simple things about whatever medium you're working with. And I know that was totally true with me with makeup was that the more I did the things that were really intense, the more I drew cat winged eyeliner out to somebody's hairline, the more I really appreciated how to do a simple corner to corner liner, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that you grow as an artist in understanding that simple things have their own amazing beauty to them. Um, so that in and of itself, I think is a really cool part of Wabi Sabi that, that simple simplicity has its own unique beauty to it. Yeah. And you know, to be quite honest, like after doing research on this, I'm kind of a little mad at Western culture. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, because this, Japanese idea of bumpy is okay. Mm-hmm. And texture. cracks and texture yeah. are actually really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that this Western cultural ideal of smooth is beautiful mm-hmm. and perfect and symmetry. Because in Western culture, well, and in wabi-sabi, in all culture, like let's say... This can go for aesthetics, Mm -hmm. both physically as a human being or objects in your home, like um, interior design. This could go for, you know, like beauty, like you said. Um, It could go for food. Mm -hmm. You know, so like when I was reading about wabi-sabi and food, like I'm growing a tomato plant, right? Yeah. And one of my beefsteak tomatoes, like it turned red and I picked it off, but it didn't look like the tomatoes at the grocery store and the top doesn't look great and it's kind of oddly shaped. And I was like, I don't know if I did this right. And then I had to remind myself, oh, it's not genetically modified. Right. And hold <laughs> this the This is how phone. tomatoes are probably supposed Can to Can we put down Wabi Sabi for a minute and celebrate the fact that you got a tomato off your tomato plant? I got a tomato off my tomato Jessica, plant. Jessica, I am so I proud. I can't even tell you. I if know. you guys listen to the podcast regularly, then you know. <laughs> Why can't I remember his name. What's the tomato plant's name? Tate. Tate. <laughs> that Tate was kind of like an object of affection that you were going to try something new and get really uncomfortable. Yes. And grow and nurture to this plant. connected with nature. To be more connected with nature. And you didn't know how it was going to work out. You didn't know if it was going to be a thing. And did you eat the tomato? I haven't eaten the tomato. You better He's, eat the tomato. The tomato is sitting in my windowsill right now. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to hear this. <laughs> All right. Back to Wabi Sabi. I just... My head exploded there for a minute. Um, Wabi-sabi and food especially. And I, you know, I've got the cucumbers and I've got some tomato plants this year going. And it's so funny how, like, when you pull them off, especially when you're new to it, you are a little, like, underwhelmed and concerned because real food that's not genetically modified isn't pretty in traditional senses, you know? And when you go to the market... You know, like when I'm picking apples out of a huge barrel of apples, like I want to pick the perfect ones. Right. 
but there's nothing wrong with the ones that aren't perfect and that there's so many, um, I judge food so much, you know, especially produce on what it looks like on the outside where it doesn't have to be that way, you know? And as I've grown more of my own food, it's definitely opened up my ideas to, um, that there's beauty in that imperfection. Mm -hmm. I also love this idea of like texture in, um, inanimate objects in your home or definitely like interior design and, um, even something like texturing a wall. Yeah. Like that, that kind of came late in the game. I remember when people started texturing walls before they painted them, you know, and there was all different ways that you could make it bumpy or you could create design or you could do it. And there's this method to like making it look random, but not random, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's an artistic form of trying to make things that are textured look, um, a certain way. And it's almost, if it's too perfect, it looks wrong, you know? And that's one of the coolest aspects of Wabi Sabi, I think, is that things have to be a little off. Yeah. You know, okay. So sorry guys, we're like jumping all over the place because my mind just like explodes with this idea of Wabi Sabi. So when I was reading about Wabi Sabi, like let's say in beauty, Mm -hmm as beauty professionals, like it was a little hard for me to wrap my brain around because like you said, as artists, you know, you want everything to be perfect. Perfect. So two things. First of all, I appreciated the more I researched and read about Wabi Sabi and beauty. I was like, well, in Japan, I would be fucking beautiful because of my birthmark. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I've i said this on the podcast before, like when we did our the episode where I talked about my birthmark. But, you know, I wasn't born with the texture. Mm-hmm. Um, that was from lasers, right. from laser treatments when I was little. And so not only do I have the physical coloring of the birthmark, but I now have this cratery texture that I wasn't born with, but I got anyway. And so it really spoke to me from a beauty perspective that I was like, that is something that I should probably embrace. And as I get older, I've gotten better about it. Like you've watched my journey over the past 11, 12 years of our friendship that, um, I am getting better at embracing my birthmark, but thinking of it in a wabi-sabi sense, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's really cool. It's totally cool. Um, but have you ever heard that, you know, so obviously no one's face is symmetrical, right? Except from what I hear on the street Mm. as a beauty professional, Denzel Washington. (laughs) Uh, That is not untrue because I've actually broken down his face a couple of times. Yeah, That because Denzel Washington's face is symmetrical, apparently, I mean, I haven't done the scientific research on this. He's really beautiful. That he's really beautiful. Oh my God. Um, Which... You know, it's not like I would see Denzel Washington on the street and be like, damn, but you really look at him and you're like, okay, Denzel, Mm -hmm. okay, I dig it. Um, That I was like, well, that's the opposite of Wabi Sabi because Wabi Sabi isn't about symmetry or perfection. And so as a beauty professional, like, how do you feel about the symmetry of the face thing? I, well, a couple of things about it. I, on the imperfections, like I also tend to be a makeup artist. Like I want things to be finished and look good, but I'm okay if things aren't perfect, mainly because I feel like 
eyebrows, for, in, for instance, okay? Like, if you have two perfectly symmetrical eyebrows that are like carbon copies of each other on each side, off. you look cartoony and weird, you know? Like, if you... And it's also why I don't like really high contrast, uh, straight line contour either, you know? Because, yeah, you balance out facial features like that, but if it's too on point then you look like a Instagram filter, which I'm also not a fan of, you know, like I like interesting faces and you know, the older I've gotten, I've always said like people earn things like wrinkles, discoloration, melasma, you know, like whatever's going on on your face that it starts to make your face look interesting. And so this may just be because I'm hitting the stride towards the mid forties all of a sudden where I'm trying to embrace things like my hairline is way farther back than it used to be, you know, like that there is texture on my face in places that there didn't used to be texture there. I even have this thing that, you know, like where your chin starts to disappear into your neck a little bit, which in some cases is in weight. And in some cases it's also hereditary. And if you look at anybody in my family, like it's totally hereditary, but it also has like this, soft, beautiful connection to something bigger. And I'm just starting to embrace all of the things that make faces age. And this idea with the sabi of wabi-sabi being an appreciation for how things decay, get older, fall apart, you know, like I love that in flowers too. Mm. So I've been really into this idea of like flower meditation and watching a flower, like appreciating all the fine details about it, but like trying to watch it bloom, which is, you know, you can do that high, uh, what's it called? The time release video or whatever, where you can watch flowers bloom really fast, but to try and watch that with your naked eye and see a flower physically change in front of you, you got to go in a real deep meditative state, you know, to be able to appreciate that but to see flowers in their stages as the petals start to curl back and as the decay starts to set in, you know, and that all of those things have an appreciation. Same with food or fruit or whatever, you know, like that as the cucumbers get softer and they're not so good for eating fresh anymore, they actually become really great to make pickles out of. Tomatoes, as they start to rot a little bit, turn into really beautiful tomato sauces, you know, like that Mm -hmm. everything has this like next stage that it can move into that has beauty in ways that you can appreciate it too. But sometimes we can't see that because we're so stuck and fixated in Western culture to your point, like that things need to be just so perfect. So, and then the texture piece, you know, as far as faces and makeup goes, like lots of people have texture in respect to like blemishes or acne scarring or facial hair, you know, like that all of these things create texture and that we work so hard to make it perfect. Um, but I also think that Wabi Sabi is kind of this exercise in appreciating things as they are and accepting things as they are, that there's great beauty in that. And if you can get through to that other side of it, then all these things that you thought were such a big deal, like the texture or the vellus hairs on your face, just aren't, that's not you, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just an element of what you physically look like aesthetically. Um, You know, like Frida Kahlo had a unibrow and a mustache, you know? Like, one of the most beautiful women in history, 
But the reason that she beamed with that confidence in beauty is because she loved these she elements about herself. It. She owned it. She worked it. She never considered that just because it didn't fit some traditional beauty standard that it meant there was something wrong with her. And now to look at those things all of these decades later, like she was truly unique and beautiful, but it was because of the things she appreciated about her face. And the fact that she like owned it so hard really turns on its head this whole idea that you need to be like religiously waxing your brows. Frida didn't have to do it, you know, and that that's a very wabi-sabi concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if she even knew what wabi-sabi was. I mean, it's ancient. Yeah. So surely. maybe. Even if she didn't know what it actually was, like she got it in her soul. It's yeah. clear. God, she was such a badass. She we was to do a Frida episode. Frida's badass of the week every week. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Um, so... What do you think as far as being a hair artist is concerned? Because so much of what, like, your foils, for example, you know, like, your foils are (laughs) infinite perfection, you know, like, spaced out, folded. So how's this concept of wabi-sabi work for you in respect to hair? I'm not going to lie, a little tough. Yeah. Um, Also, because Vidal Sassoon, um, such a pillar of the hair artist community, Mm -hmm. When he came out with the bob. Um, perfection. Perfection. But also simple. Yeah. So simple. Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't mean technically. That haircut is fucking hard to it's do. one of the hardest ever. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, so it's technically hard to do. Aesthetically simple. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's kind of this balance between, yeah. you know, the two. Um, but it's clean, you know, and wabi-sabi isn't about the clean, you know? Um, and I, I tend to like things clean and beautiful and not messy. Um, so it's weird though, but I love a shag. Well, I was just about to say what's, what I love so much about Wabi Sabi with hair is that most of my hairstyles that I've really been in love with are things that aren't too fixed. Yeah. And that when I've tried to- I love to, a messy haircut. Yeah. I love clean color. Okay. I think that's I what I, that. I think that's what I'm into. That- And you'll see this a lot in editorial hair too. So like when you're styling your hair for a photo shoot, that- if you get it just perfect and just so, it doesn't look right on camera. Like there's no, something no. about it that has to be a little messed and up you know, somewhere. I'm glad you brought that up because we were talking about Peter Gray, yeah. right? Hello, Peter what Gray. Up, Peter? <laughs> um, you know, I believe he did, and I hope I'm not misspeaking here because it was on his Instagram page, so I'm assuming he did it. Hmm. Haley Bieber's hair uh, yeah. for the cover of... I don't know, but he he's Something. done lately. Um, I don't, it was like L or Vogue. It was like one of the really big, big covers. Um, and she's beautiful. And I was looking at her hair because it was on his Instagram page and we have the magazine at the salon, you know? And I was looking at it and I was like, you know, what's so interesting is that, you know, it's a tropical setting. It's on a beach. Like, so her hair looks like she's been frolicking on the beach, like, you know, wind blown and totally imperfect. Um, 
But I know as a hair artist that that took a lot of effort to do. <laughs> it is not easy. <laughs> you know, yeah. like people look at hair on magazines and they're like, oh, what? I could do that. You know, and I'm like, actually, you could not achieving something like that and making it look like it wasn't an effort is really freaking difficult to do. But if Haley Bieber was on the cover of that magazine in her cute little swimsuit in front of a palm tree and her hair was perfectly quaffed, that would look really stupid, yeah. you know, and misplaced. And, um, you know, what else is kind of like that is, um, I guess it was at Nashville fashion week one year we did this show where all the girls in the show, we like bruised up and bloodied their knuckles and all the guys in the show, we gave them like black eyes and fat lips and stuff. And so like when you do bruising work on people or like cuts or things where they look like they've been beaten. Gnarly. Yeah. Um, those are not perfect shapes and or colors, you know, like creating that kind of, and trying to create texture for a cut was, you know, it was such a cool twist to go from covering up discoloration under people's eyes and trying to cover up blemishes to trying to make things look bad, you know, and that that is a perspective wise anyway, where you have to make things imperfect. And if you're too technical, it looks like a fake bruise, you know, like part of what makes it real is that it is a little imperfect or like Alex box. She does these amazing photo shoots where like, She's doing people's makeup, but she makes it look like they haven't slept in a week and that they have tear stains running down their faces. And, you know, like it's not traditional pretty, but it's beautiful, you know, like it invokes this emotional reaction out of you because it looks real. And a lot of times it is real, you know, like and that. And she'll even draw like veins, you know, coming out from the corners of people's eyes that normally you would be piling concealer on, you know, and like trying to patch over it. But she's going with the idea that you're accentuating the things that we traditionally think aren't pretty. And it's beautiful. And I just am so inspired by her ability to like, she doesn't just go there. She's not like, oh, maybe I'll smudge this corner of the lip or something. You know, like she's drawing imperfections onto people's faces and still making it look like insanely beautiful art by makeup. Um, She's so awesome. I love looking at her work. Yeah. Man, it's great. So, yeah, this idea that it's like roughed up or it's texture, like I also think that wabi-sabi is a cool thing when you look at the flow of trends. Mm -hmm. Because if you go back to like pre-Vidal Sassoon where everybody was getting roller sets, you know, and had like these perfectly symmetrical, a lot of times round or oval or even squared shapes on their hair. And then we shift to like this really quaffed bob and a lot of really hard angular, you know, yeah. Um, very symmetrical still, you know, like in its perfection. Somewhere we got off into the idea that like texture was and that, you know, people who had traditionally textured hair were able to do things that if you had really smooth, straight hair, like that was hard. But now there's all these texture treatments and products and styling, you know, like having hair that's imperfectly perfect is a vibe and that there are entire product lines that are revolved around curly hair or creating texture in hair or making hair look frizzy, you know, and full, um, You know, I mean, I would never hate on a woman for doing what she wants to do with her 
body, with her look, with her face, with her hair, because, I mean, you know us here at Badass Ladies Club. It's Inclusive. like, whatever speaks to you, sister, mm. you do that. I love doing relaxers on um, women of color just because it's like a satisfying process to me because I like doing color and mm -hmm. I like, you know, I like a, um, a transformation. But honestly, if I'm put aside my hair artistry, I love textured hair on women love of color. It. And I mean, I, I love my clients that I do the relaxers on and I am totally willing to do that if that's what they want me to do. Um, but whenever I have, let's say, new clients that are women of color who come in and they're like, I'm thinking about getting a relaxer, I talk them out of it a lot of the time just because I'm like... Your Afro texture is so amazing, fucking badass. Like that lioness, like mane. I just, I'm obsessed with it. And so that's another example of wabi sabi Holy. that Western culture has kind of forced um, this acceptance or this idea that right. you need to look the same, right? You know? that, like, like, yeah. And God, like we're seeing it in schools and in workplaces mm -hmm. where Afro texture isn't deemed appropriate or professional. Or and that I'm you like, can't wear whatever hair you want to because right. it's a distraction they, they or can't something. They can wear like, the yeah. cornrows or the protective styles yeah. or the dreadlocks. I'm like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, and as a white woman, I'll never understand like from their perspective how that feels. So I, I always try to talk them out of it if I get a new client and I do have my handful of clients that I do the relaxers on and well, I like doing them. I just, but as opposed to talking them to out of, it. yeah, like I also think it has a lot to do with like, and this is true of just being any kind of hair or makeup artist that you want to do everything that you can to give your client permission to embrace whatever they're rocking naturally, mm -hmm. you know, like that it's beautiful, that you love it, that you know what to do with it, you know, like, because to that point, a lot of people are doing these things to their hair, whether it's relaxing it or perming it or what, you know, like that people are coloring, coloring it, it, you know, yeah. like, and when you were talking about relaxers, what I immediately thought about is this crazy trend with people wanting to embrace their gray. Mm -hmm. And so they're wanting to color their previously colored hair gray to match whatever's growing out of their head, you know? Don't ask your stylist to do don't that. Don't ask Jessica to do it. She <laughs> don't ask like, me. Um, but you can go to Jack Martin out in California. He'll charge you $2,500 right. and it'll be a day-long process and well, you're more than welcome. But how do we came full circle to, I want you to cover up all of my gray <laughs> hair to, now I want you to match my colored hair to my gray. Yeah. Or we have stylists um, that talk clients out of coloring their gray or yeah. their silver because it's so beautiful. Oh my you gosh, know? yes. Where... It's just like, I won't cover over this because look at it. It's magnificent. And so there is a lot of things in this traditional beauty culture that we both rightfully have made money doing, mm -hmm. you know, that in this concept of wabi-sabi, you embrace that natural piece. Um, I gotta say, like mine is 100% the blonde eyelashes and the light eyebrows and just getting comfortable with what, like I've always been cool to go out into the world without makeup on because I'm lazy, <laughs> but maybe not because I loved it, you know, and that I'm learning to love this idea of like what I look like with makeup on it and what I look like without makeup on or 
how much that's changed from when I was 20 running around without makeup on to what it looks like when I'm 43 running around without makeup on. Um, that this is just what I look like and that there's some really cool parts of that that only come when you start to step into this appreciation that imperfection is kind of perfect, you know? Yeah, and I think that as a culture, we need to get to this idea of neutral terms. Yes. Where a descriptor isn't good or bad. Mm -hmm. It just is, you know, it's like our conversation with Julie Murphy over, you know, plus size body shapes, you know, she chose to use the word fat and she told us that it was okay that we say fat because she said, I am fat and that's okay. That's not good or bad. It just just is. is. And that could go for a lot of things aesthetically as human beings, you know, my birthmark. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. Right. I'm naturally a brunette. That's not good or bad. It just is. And if we got more back to this idea that it just is probably be a lot happier, honestly, a hundred percent. I mean, I love playing with my look, but you know, if I were, uh, Maybe as a culture, like if Western culture wasn't so like, no, smooth, pretty lines, you know, tiny bodies, tiny waist, hourglass figures, perfection, then uh, we'd probably all look a lot different and be happier. (laughs) Well, to your point of body shapes and sizes, though, like, I think it's so interesting that, and maybe this is just because you and I take a lot of pictures next to each other, you know, like we couldn't have more different body shapes in a lot of respects. And that if you look at traditional ideas of like tiny waist, flat stomach, well, there's just as many ideals around curvy, you know, like voluptuous style body shapes in different parts of the world with different cultures in different times. You know, like if you looked at Marilyn Monroe was like a size 16 Mm -hmm. that there was, but when we fall like a size 16 today is not considered traditionally beautiful and that those things are so market driven based on what's for sale a lot of times that we speak with our dollars which is also something that Julie brought to the surface Mm -hmm. you know when we did her with the um, fashion with the fashion piece yeah and I've been thinking a lot about you know like inclusivity as far as fashion is concerned that I don't want to buy jeans that might fit me I want to buy jeans that are made for people that are shaped like me, you know, and that that is, and for companies that are going to like put models into their campaigns that reflect what people actually look like. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to have any skinny, traditionally sized models. They are, but they're also going to have old models and curvy models and people that aren't like the right kind of fat and all of those things like that diversity is beautiful Mm -hmm. and that the reflection of showing everybody that they fit in whatever this mold is uh the idea of wabi-sabi it's also not surprised that it's like a japanese uh theme only because in japan they really revere and appreciate elderly you know like Mm -hmm. people and things from the past that have been carried down so it's like 
you're not, you know, ageism is a whole other piece of wabi-sabi that it's not like you're old and we put you in an assisted living home and, you know, like, right. no, like they revere their elders in a way and listen and learn and um, appreciate that level that things like wrinkles and sagging skin and, you know, like the way that your body and your hair and everything changes is a beautiful thing, you know, and not a bad thing where mm-hmm. here I still feel like in, especially in the U.S., like you just time out your worthiness, uh, you know, and your marketability at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say for our guests who are listening, if Wabi Sabi is a new concept to you, you were probably introduced to Wabi Sabi before even like really knowing that you were looking at it or experiencing it. Um, one of my favorite in an aesthetic way, um, variations of wabi-sabi is, um, let's say dishes Mm. with the cracks filled with gold. Mm -hmm. Um, that that is a version of wabi-sabi that we've been looking at our entire lives. And then when I learned about it, I'm like, Oh, that's what that is. Mm. And I think as Americans, as a Western culture, we look at that and we're like, Oh, that's interesting to look at, but it has such a deeper emotional meaning that this is not broken. Right. It may have been broken once upon a time, but we put it back together with this gold or you know, I, it could be any color, I suppose. But, you know, these cracks are now filled, you know, with something new to hold this together. And I think that on a deep emotional level, Wabi Sabi is this idea that none of us are broken. Right. And that whatever the quote unquote imperfection is that you're focused on is part of your true essence that makes you so magnificent and beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's not something that takes away from it. It's something that adds to it. Uh, you know what else is a cool representation of Wabi Sabi? What? Is the Badass Ladies Club logo. Yeah, That it's totally like, it's a heart and you can look at it and know that it's a heart, but the edges are not smooth and perfect. It definitely is textured and has that like brush stroke quality to it. Yeah, um, some of the things we've had printed for Badass Ladies Club, we have to have a perfect heart. Right. And even though I still like it, I love our original logo better, even though every place that we get our logo printed is like, that's such a pain in the ass. Please don't make me do that. Well, and anything that we have (laughs) reproduced with the original logo on it probably is not as good a representation as the solid heart that we've used in other cases, but it makes me love it even more. You know, like it has that interesting flavor to it, you know, tried the smooth edges, the perfect heart. We're just not smooth, perfect kind of people. Sorry, guys. Um, so yeah, it's and it's funny because I had never thought about that until we were just sitting right yeah, here and I was totally. looking at it. And I, I know was like, we're oh looking my at gosh, it. How wabi sabi is our logo? All right. <laughs> um, I love this concept. Yeah. I want to make everything in my world, or at least like when I look at things, I try and see now where the wabi sabi is in yeah. uh, the environment. So look around where you are and see if you can find it because it's. Everywhere, everywhere you look and instead of judging things or yourself so harshly maybe try and look at it with a new lens and find the beauty and appreciation and those uh quote unquote imperfections that we know make you perfect um, i think that's it and we nailed it yeah we nailed it all right go wabi sabi go wabi sabi <laughs> go to our instagram and like these posts that are coming up leading to this episode and tell us where you see wabi sabi in your world you guys have a badass day and we'll see you next time around thanks guys thanks